The Nats are on deck here for the Marlins weekend series, three-game series. They don't get swept often, but the last time they faced off, the Marlins did sweep them. I think there's a chance the Marlins could also sweep them again. Sandy Alcantara is also back. The ground balls are way up. Going to dig into this series ahead, plus deadline moves and what the strategy could be for these Marlins heading into the deadline next couple of months. All on today's Locked on Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This, of course, is your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up, of course, on Twitter, guys, at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you listen to the pod, hit subscribe firstly. Of course, this is available everywhere, and it's your team every day. And thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day. It's a bit of a sundowner here in the UK. The sun is just about starting to peak down, but it is another scorcher, no doubt about it. Uh, If you are wondering, yes, there is a YouTube channel. Yes, you need to head on over there. Yes, you need to hit subscribe urgently. Urgently. Hit subscribe over there on YouTube, guys. We are trending, I think, just just about ticked over 700. Next target, 1,000 subscribers. We can get there, guys. I know we can. There's enough of you listening. Just go and hit the button. Hit subscribe. Why not? Why not? Happy Friday as well, guys. This episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. You can go to birddogs.com slash MLB and they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every single order. More about those uh, guys later on, I am sure of that. The Marlins sitting here now, weekend series, ending this three-city road trip against the Washington Nationals. Last time we faced the Nats, swept them. If the Marlins sweep the Nats in this series, okay, it's on the road. But if they sweep them in this series, they go 10 games over 500. I'm not predicting a sweep. Yes, I am. The Marlins look primed, in my opinion, to sweep the Nats here if they play well. Sandy's back, Braxy is looking good, and Jesus Lazardo. And we'll dig into that specifically, but it's time for Jesus to have another good start. So tons to be excited for here as, as Marlins fans. Equally, I want to talk about the deadline, and we're starting to get into that phase now, thinking about who the Marlins could be targeting, what the strategy could be, what positions of need they have, who's available, all of these questions. I'm not going to give you all the answers on this single episode. It's not enough time. It's not enough time as we get nearer the deadline. There's things that still need to happen, still need to emerge. Teams, some of them will f- fall away. Some of them will surge. The Marlins could fall away. No, they won't. They could surge. There's yet, yes, they will. So there's a lot. You know, it's only mid-June. Still six weeks, probably just slightly over. Before the deadline, a lot can change. A lot will change, no doubt. I mean, we saw it with the Marlins earlier this week. In the space of two days, they went from too much pitching, not enough pitching. So a lot can happen. So we're going to dig into that as well. Also, what's happening with Abacel Garcia? Where is he? Do we care? Does anyone care? Are we happy that he's just there chilling on the bench? Dig into that too. Also, just wanted to give a little nod, a little tip of the cap. To the London series, baby, we start to get some some images today that they're starting to piece the ballpark together uh, or the stadium, however we want to phrase it. Um, but, you know, I know it's not the Marlins playing there this year, but as a UK-based fan, 
having two teams coming over to play two games in London. Uh, it's the second time this has happened now, and I think it's it's right that we talk about it based on where I'm based. And equally, the interesting bit is the teams that are coming could both be sellers. And so I think it's really intriguing to get some eyeballs on that. I'm on an unofficial Lockdown Marlins scouting mission, no doubt. Um, let's start, though, with this Nat series, though, guys. That's enough of the preamble. That's the longest intro ever. Longest intro ever. No Sean Barrett as well today, uh, flying solo. So, guys, the Nats series, three games set. The Nats coming into this, they're two and eight for the last 10. You think, mm, yeah, okay, the Nats, they're kind of struggling. But I have to, you know, give it to the Nats that they've they've had a tough stretch. They've really had a tough stretch. Their last five, six series, five series, they've been on the road against the Dodgers. They lost that one. On the No, at home to Philly, who were heating up, by the way. They lost that series. At home to the Diamondbacks, who were scorching hot as well. Uh, they lost that series. Uh, they were swept. One game was postponed, so it was 2-0. On the road in Atlanta, they lost that one 2-1. On the road in Houston, they lost that one 2-1. So they've had a real tough, tough stretch. And they may be worn down by this. They may be. like That's a lot of really tough baseball in a real short space of time. Like There's no been no reprieve for the Nats. They've been, they've been really tested. And what I would say, though, this is the interesting bit, even though they've played all of these like top-level clubs, they ain't being swept. I know the Diamondbacks did, but there was a game postponed. Um, but it hasn't been like sweep after sweep after sweep for the Nats. They've been competitive in, in a lot of these games. Um, they've only been swept a couple of times this year. The Rays did it early in the year, and the Marlins obviously did it the last time we saw them. So sweeping ain't easy, guys. But I must say, this series in particular, I'm feeling extremely bullish. I just feel like that the way they won that game in Seattle after a, a poor series, really poor series. They didn't play well. First two games, they didn't play well. Actually, in parts, they didn't play well in game three. But they found a way to get it done. The bases juice and that, you know, maybe season-defining play by Jesus Sanchez. Maybe season-defining. Just feels like a momentum flicker. You then get Sandy Alcantara going in game one to set the tone. And for me, that's critical here. Critical. Sandy, it's been a, it's been a tough year for him. It's been, you know, compared to previous years and to, to last year in particular, it's not been what he's looking for, clearly. But the shoots of recovery have been there, particularly in the last two starts. For me, Sandy Alcantara remains at his best when he's seeking those ground balls. He's a ground baller. Something was off early on in the year. Something was off and he was he, he just had to rely on the high heat and looking for strikeouts. And it just it wasn't quite there. And it's not his game. When Sandy is at his best, he is just an elite ground baller. And the other thing, too, he could and he should. Trust the defense behind him. Joey Wendell, for example, has been better than average at shortstop. He's back in as well today, by the way. Joey Wendell with a three-day, three-game uh, bench streak. I'm not sure why. He must have been dealing with something. I didn't see any reporting on that, so I don't know what happened to Wendell. He did come into the game late in game three, which, again, was a little bit of a puzzler. So I, I get the sense that Wendell's been dealing with something. I don't know. 
Um, but for three days straight to not be starting is is odd, considering he's you know been the starting shortstop, um, and it's been kind of like feels like the stick has been turning around too. Um, but Sandy, going back to Sandy, he's at his best when he's relying on his defense and he's throwing those ground balls, throwing those ground balls, drawing those ground balls. That's that's Sandy Alcantara, no doubt. And we look at his last two starts, guys, against the White Sox last time out. Also then against the A's. Okay, I know what you're going to say. The White Sox, they're terrible, and so are the A's. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. In those two games, both of them, seven innings, um, just two walks combined, 11 Ks, but also then 26 ground balls, 13 apiece in both of those games. That is a season high combined. Well, season high in, in two games in a row. <laughs> I'm not sure if I explained that very well. Either way, 13 is the highest in terms of ground ball outs for him in an outing, and he's done it twice in a row. And actually, the fly ball outs in those games too, six apiece. And it's both of these also under 90 pitches. So Sandy's usage has kind of changed. Skip Schumacher early in the year, and we spoke about it a lot, and the everydayers listening will know about this as well. You know, we were kind of, asking the question about whether it's 100 you know 100 plus pitch sandy whether that's the right type of sandy now and we saw it he had that little stretch where it was against uh against the Braves Cubs Reds Giants all of those outings all 100 pitches or more didn't win any of those games well the Marlins did they won the Cubs one um in, in extras um but you know it was three of those were losses uh three of them were losses as well for sandy he was going too deep and he was having a blow-up inning. Skip was trying to let him work through it. It's changed. The last four times out, uh, Max Pitches has been 93. He's getting the Yuri Perez treatment. He's getting, you know, maybe that's that's the methodology. And the reason it's the methodology and the why it should be the methodology is the bullpen, the leverage pen, has been so good. So good. The Marlins have got four of the of the best 25 relievers, let's say, in the game right now, this season. Tanner Scott's in there. Dylan Floro's in there. Um, Puck should be in there. Um, you know, they're just, they've got a lot of, they've got a lot of quality in the pen. And it's about leaning on that. In previous years, in Donnie's previous year, didn't have it. So, rightly so, Skip is managing Sandy differently, trusting the pen. But equally, something's changed with Sandy. He's found it again. He's back to ground ball Sandy. It's when he's at his best. We know that. So for me, I think the Nats are going to have a real test. They're going to be really up against it in game one. And I think the Marlins could and should convincingly beat the Washington Nationals in game one. Set the tone. Really set the tone. And then it's over to Braxton Garrett and Jesus Lozado. Let's talk about those guys briefly as well. Then we'll trend into the uh, deadline moves I mentioned and, and the strategy. More like the strategy, I'd say, rather than the moves itself. Avisel Garcia, where is he? And the London series, just a tip of the cap to that. Uh, but, guys, it's time to let you know about our good friends over at Bird Dogs. already mentioned they are the episode sponsor. Um, they have some graphics, so you know, let's, let's get those bad boys flowing. There we go. Yes, sir. Um, and I've been speaking about these for a, a few weeks now. And fundamentally, bird dogs are there to make you look good. The bird dog stretch cargo shorts are designed to fit slimmer, 
through the thigh and leg, giving you that truly sculpted look. That is what we all need. Sean Barrett texted me last night, said, Pete, these shorts look amazing. Amazing. I don't know if he hit the purchase button. I hope he did. I hope he did. I hope to see them on him in the London series. That would be absolutely sensational. Um, they they fit. Fundamentally, it's all about the fit. The sculpted look, but also they fit way better than any regular shorts that are made of that stiff-restricting cotton. No good. No good. No give. No look. Can't wash them either. They wash terrible. Bird dogs have fixed this issue by inventing cloud-knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without, um, without having to sacrifice movement. They also have this anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. And we'll need that at the London series because I've seen I've seen the forecast. The temperatures are going to be soaring. Looking forward to that. So what have you got to do? It's pretty simple, guys. You've got to get over to birddogs.com slash MLB. And with that, you get a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash MLB for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. Glorious. Glorious. Get those bird dogs in. So, for the rest of this series, Braxton Garrett going in game two. Jesus Lozado in game three. I must say, Braxton Garrett, um, you know, again, coming off... I mean, it was it was a career high, a career high, a season high for him. 19, 19, I can't speak. All of a sudden, I just can't speak. It's Friday. It is what it is. Nine Ks in five and a third innings in his last outing. He was yanked too early, it felt. Only 82 pitches. 75 the outing before. 79, then 82. Braxy's been managed pretty carefully. Skip is managing him similar to... You know, Uri Perez, he's getting a similar treatment. Although Uri Perez, like, oh, maybe the training wheels are off there. That's one to dig into next time around because, you know, he got to go into the 90s. He got it into the 90s there. Braxy, he hasn't been in the 90s yet this year. Even though, you know, Brax is sitting there at a 410 ERA. So it's it's the third time through the lineup for Brax. That's the main thing. Uh, but overall... You have to call out. It's been a really impressive year. The, the The main one here, though, is Jesus Lozado. Sean Barrett called this out uh, earlier in the week. When you look at the game log, it's pretty wild. Last time out against the Narius, the, Narius, the Mariners, five earned runs. Against the Royals, one earned run. Against the Padres, five earned runs. Against the Angels, one earned run. Against the Giants, six earned runs. Against the Nats, one earned run. You're starting to see this pattern here. One good, one bad. One good, one bad. The good news is that he's faced the Nats already this year and pitched well. And also, he's just had a clunker. So he's due a good one. He's due a good one. So gut feel is Jesus Cesaro is going to deliver. Sandy Alcantara, we know, is back. And Braxton Garrett will be managed accordingly. And he's coming off his hottest start of the year thus far. That's why I'm bullish about this series. The Nats... The Nats don't have the pitching. They don't. They don't have the hitting. The Marlins have the pitching all lined up perfectly here. And the offense, whilst it had a bit of a, a struggle in Seattle, has been much better of recent times, of late. It definitely has. Like I said, I know it was a bit of a struggle on the road in Seattle. A lot of numbers have plummeted. A lot of batting averages have been sucked away. Um, but we're expecting a bounce back there, I'd say. Looking to lean into... 
you know, it, it's about can can Brian De La Cruz get going and Jesus Sanchez get going again and can Luis Arias get going? Like it was a it was a slow series, it was a poor series for Arias. Let's see how he bounces back. All the talk was, will Arias have an off day? No off day for Arias. Straight back in there. Love to see that. That's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see our stud, our main dude at the top of the order against against the Nats. Let's do it. Let's do it. Guys, I think this is a 75% probability that Marlins sweep the Nats this weekend. Yes, I've had a red wine this evening, but I just feel like the Marlins are riding the wave. They, the pitching matchups look good. I think they're going to do a serious job here. Let's talk about our good friends over at FanDuel, and then we will carry on this episode looking at those deadline strategies and Abacel Garcia and the London series as well. Um, guys, from a FanDuel perspective, if if you are if you're new to FanDuel, then you need to make your way to FanDuel because right now, new customers get a no sweat first bet up to two thousand five hundred dollars. That's two thousand five hundred dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. There's no better place to bet all of the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. You can visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to two thousand five hundred dollars. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel, official sports betting partner of the NBA and everyone else, I guess. Okay, let's talk about the deadline. Let's talk about what the Marlins need to do. And this will not be a long segment. I put it out there on Twitter anyway. My, my gut feel here with the Marlins in general, well, actually, no, let me start with the market. I don't think... The way things are shaping up here, that there's a ton of, there's not a ton of studs available. And I don't think there's going to be a lot of headline deals at this deadline. I feel like past years, there's been a, it's been a lot more significant names where it looked and felt like they'd be moved. But I, I, I sense that this won't be that situation. I also get the feeling that a lot of teams are still in the mix here. And so the number of sellers could be lower. And I think we know who those sellers are. The Royals and the A's, probably. I'm not sure. And we already, we've already we heard the up, update from, from Craig Mish on Sal Perez. You know, one of the headline guys potentially from the Royals. He's not, he's not leaving. He's not going. So I just get the sense that there's not a ton of needle-moving guys out there. The other thing to say is, I think the Marlins like, I think they like how they're set up. I think they like their rotation and their options. And earlier in the week, we were talking about it. you got to manage Yuri Perez. You're going to bring Trevor back and limit his innings. Cueto's working his way back. You know, there's other options they've got there. They can kind of mix and match. So I think the Marlins feel good there. I think they feel really good about their pen for obvious reasons. And... Yeah, I know there's maybe, you know, Brazzaban's kind of cooled off and, you know, you've, you're you kind of leaning into Archie Bradley at this point. So maybe there's a pen piece that they maybe do something with. But again, they probably have that kind of covered, to be honest with you. You then think about what offensive upgrades they'd be seeking. Frankly, I don't think they're going to be seeking anything in the outfield. I feel like they're perfectly happy with Jazz Chisholm Jr., Brian De La Cruz, Jesus Sanchez, Jonathan Davis, and maybe have a sell Garcia. We'll talk about him in a sec. I think they're pretty confident with that. I feel they're comfortable. Maybe there's a rental out there. You know, 
do you do something crazy and you know, go and get Cody Bellinger, who's, well, he's on the IL at the moment. He started hot and has kind of tailed off a touch. You know, is that is that an option? It could be. Jock Peterson, is that an option? It could be. There's going to be a few teams in the hunt for that. And the thing is for the Marlins, right now, there's no need to start moving tons of prospects to try and add an extra stick this year to make a postseason that, you know, it's it's going to be an uphill task, irrespective. So I don't think they do anything in the outfield. First base, they look set. Second base, they look set. Shortstop, in reality, they probably look set right now. DH, Soler's doing his thing. Most people will look at third base. What can you do at third base? That is the only area, potentially. But Gene Segura is owed money next year. And I just get the sense that the Marlins are going to persevere with Gene. Catcher, I feel the same. So fundamentally, I don't think the Marlins are going to make any kind of huge splash at the deadline. I don't. And, you know, most fans, we all want to get excited. Listen, near the deadline, I'll be pumping it out there. This guy's available. This guy's available. This guy's available. But strategically, fundamentally, I don't think there's going to be a lot happen for the Marlins. I feel like, and clearly things can change between now and then in the six weeks. Guys can get hurt, et cetera, et cetera. The Marlins could fall out of it. Who knows? But I think it'd be surprising if the Marlins weren't in the mix, definitely at the deadline, and have that buyer's tag. So that's just my thoughts. There's going to be some options. A lot of people are looking at catcher. A lot of people are looking at third base. And rightly so. Gene Segura has been one of the worst players in the league. Can Gene find a way to catch fire. Can he? And all of a sudden, all's forgotten. It's not about how you start. It's about how you finish in baseball. Maybe Gene's just holding that peak until we need it. The other thinking is potentially that Gene doesn't get to have that peak because he's DFA'd or traded at some point. I don't know. But the Marlins have got a ton of internal options too, around middle infielders, around, you know, maybe third base guys they can shuffle around. So I just get the sense that they they kind of like the way their 40-man sits. They've got loads of flexibility and loads of the guys, loads of versatility. I think it's going to be a real quiet one. Avisel Garcia, let's talk about him real briefly, and then we're going to get out of here. Um, Avisel Garcia, we haven't heard, seen anything uh, from Avi. He obviously had a couple of rehab starts. They didn't go well. Reoccurrence of the issue. Haven't really heard much since. I'm really intrigued about this one. I've been intrigued about it all, all along. I mean... He was kind of heating up a touch, but I don't know if the Marlins are just happy with this situation. They're just kind of letting it ride out. And, you know, having Avi back in there would kind of upset the balance. They like that Dela Cruz and Jesus Sanchez um, corner combo. And they're going to like Jazz and Center when he's back too. So, you know, having Avisel Garcia just adds a problem. It adds a problem that they don't need at this point. The money's the money. They're paying it irrespective. But if you haven't got that problem to deal with, maybe that's best for all parties at this point. Who knows? I'm intrigued to see whether there is something that happens with Abisil Garcia at the trade deadline, because I do wonder if a team may look to take a flyer. Wide stance Avi. Who knows? Could the Marlins find a way to move the dough? Because the the dough is incrementally reducing um, as obviously the weeks go by, the months go by. Wait to see. Final topic, guys, just want to call out. Next weekend, the London series is back in the UK. 
The Cardinals and Cubs facing off in a two-game series, Saturday and Sunday. I'm going to be there at both games. So I'm absolutely pumped for that. My wife, Tara, is going to be coming with me as well. The two of us, loads of the MLB UK guys, loads of the UK fans in there. Um, there's also a few US guys that I know are traveling across that have been in touch as well, which I won't spoil it because I'm sure they'll want to drop, drop it themselves. But there's a few studs coming over, so I'm looking forward to seeing them and sharing a glass of vino or uh, or an IPA or you know a shot of tequila, whatever it might be. I don't know. I'm happy to be led astray <laughs> in that situation. I know for sure I've seen the weather forecast. It is going to be scorching right now. I know we're over a week away, but it's saying it's going to be scorching. Last year, last year, last time around, it was absolutely scorching. Me and Tara were like sipping pims and lemonade faster than you know you've ever seen. I don't know if PIMS is a thing in the US. Now I've just said that. Is PIMS a thing? Drop it in the comments. Let me know. Have you ever heard of PIMS? You know what that is. If you don't, seek it out. <laughs> seek it out, Rapido. It'd be amazing for barbecues um, for certain. So the London series coming, Cardinals, Cubs, going to be absolutely awesome. Um, there may be some, you know, it may, you know, take a little bit of a, a slant off in terms of the coverage of Lockdown Marlins and, you know, the back end of next week. We'll wait to see. But for me, this is just huge for baseball in general. There's some bad PR right now, right? Like this whole situation with the Oakland A's, like it is not good. And Rob Manfred's handling of that, not good either. It's really poor. So hopefully this will be some good PR for baseball because, you know, having these games in London, I think is, is huge. We saw it with the NFL. <coughs> Excuse me. We saw it with the NFL where they committed to London and it benefited. The game grew. Um, baseball needs that too, both in the UK and in Europe, in my opinion. Boy, oh boy, I need a sip of wine here to keep myself going. So this is huge. For, it's huge for European baseball. It's huge for UK. And it's huge for Major League Baseball as well, just in terms of its growth, its development. Because fundamentally, this is an untapped market right now. It really is. So I'm going to have my eyeballs all over the Cubs, all over the cards, Looking up, you know, some potential trade options here. There could be some. Some talking about Yang Gomes could be an option. Oh, pardon me. Boy, oh boy. I think I need to wrap this one up because uh, all of a sudden the cough's kicked in. You may have sensed I've been a little bit under the weather this week, plowing through as best I can. But just want to call out, I'll be there for the London Games, the London Series. I'm absolutely pumped for it. Next year, it's already talked about as well. The Phillies and Mets are going to be in town, which I think is an extremely juicy matchup. What I do wonder is, I wonder if the Marlins will ever make it over to London. What I would say, the Cardinals-Cubs has not definitely not been the draw that the Yankees-Red Sox was that first time around. They've definitely had some ticket sales issues. Like, London Stadium is massive. There's like 60,000 in there. So, you know, Cardinals-Cubs, if you don't follow baseball, you know, you may have heard of them. Maybe. You know, but... For damn sure, you've heard about the Yankees and you've heard about the Red Sox. Um, so I'm not completely convinced that the Marlins would ever fit the profile of the type of team they would want to bring over. But I said it a few years ago, wouldn't you? Wouldn't it be amazing? Yeah, to not have this cough. Um, but also, wouldn't it be amazing to have a Marlins Rays series in London? Marlins Rays in London would be absolutely glorious. Guys, I'm going to get out of here before I absolutely combust. Um, I appreciate you making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day. Um, let's hope 
I expect, but let's hope that the Marlins get a sweep and are 10 games over 500 heading into Monday when your next episode drops. I'll see you then.